Good morning. Merry Christmas. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to be able to just say Merry Christmas? Okay. I was, I was reading an interesting article um, just this week. I thought it was very funny because, um, you know, we try to be very politically correct at Christmas time. And people say Happy Holidays. But did you know holiday comes from Holy Day? Okay. So um, no matter what, you try to be politically correct. We are so inundated with biblical language that you can't get away from it. Okay. So, once again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. <laughs> and Happy Holy Day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, we're, we're talking about the unpredictable journey. And, and as, as Matt already stated in, in the announcements, God working in our world works in very unpredictable ways. And sometimes the biggest surprises that God gives us are those moments that we least expect. And the Christmas story reminds us of that very much, that, that, that even though the Old Testament predicted so much about, about the Messiah, about, about the suffering servant, about the person of Jesus, and, and, and what would happen, no one could have imagined for a moment that God would bring his son into the world, wrap him in flesh, and, and celebrate what we celebrate today, this incredible message of Christmas. So we're going to take you to a, a very predictable story because we've heard it a thousand times, maybe even more. We, we, you know, it, we could recite it. We could, we could state it. We could talk all about uh, this because at Christmas time, it's a very popular story. But here's what I love about the Bible. Even though this is a, this is a story that is so popular to us, and, and we can think of it as a very unique story that we won't see repeated. There's lessons about God, patterns about God, that are, are very applicable to us today. Because if we were in the same situation, the principles that, that this story brings out about the way God works in our lives are applicable pr- uh, principles for us even today. So it's a very, very important story. Even though we, we, we push it off as this unique story and it only happens in this situation, but there are principles and there, and there are things that we can take away, especially at Christmas time, that we can remember. So here's the really popular story out of Matthew 2. We're going to read um, from Matthew 2 here, verses 1 to 6, the story of the wise men. And here's, here's the passage. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Interesting line, right? We always just think it's just King Herod and and his court. But everyone in Jerusalem is disturbed by this news. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And what's interesting here is now we get the uh, prophecy that we looked at last week's message out of Micah. And here it is. For this is what the prophet wrote, and you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who be the shepherd for my people Israel. 
So here we have this prophecy that came out of Micah in the Old Testament. These wise men show up in Jerusalem and, and, and go to the place that they expected a king to be, was, was right there in, in, the, in the central city of, of, the, of the Jewish people. And, and they're asking King Herod, where is this king of the Jews? Um, do you think that's a pretty smart move? This is a really naive move, honestly. Okay, Very naive move that the king... Presently, and, the, and, and surprising because Herod is a butcher, a human, human butcher. This is not a very nice man. Not a very nice man at all. So they go in this kind of naive state and ask Herod where this baby is going to be born, this king of the Jews who's going to usurp his authority and power. All right? And, the, and, and the, he brings his leading uh, priest and and those that understand the Old Testament, and they actually pull out the passage out of Micah and say, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And if you know anything more about the story, the, uh, the, the wise men continue on following the star from Jerusalem. And it's actually Herod that gives them this prophecy. It's actually Herod that says, you better check out Bethlehem. But, but he says, tell them, you know, come back when you find the child so I can go and worship too. Um, what do we call that? A lie. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're, you're following along with the story. All right. That's called a lie. Okay. And, um, but the wise men, when they do find the baby, do not return. God gives them in a dream a warning not to go back to Herod, and they go back to their own country, wherever that is. Um, we don't know. Just we know that it's from the east, right? And Herod does what Herod does best. He orders that every child two years old and under. Okay? So, that's Herod. We're not interested in Herod anymore. Okay, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Bethlehem story. We're talking about the wise men and what it is. And here it is about the wise men. What is really important to understand is a key part of this story is the wise men have told King Herod that they have come to do what? To worship. You see, the gifts are only an expression of what the wise men came. They came to worship which is a really important part of the story. The gifts simply reflect what the wise men came to do initially. Because this is what the wise men recognized. The wise men recognized that God had come in flesh. At a time when flesh was attempting to become like God. Every person in power in that time, be it Herod, be it Caesar, be it, be it Pontius Pilate, be it anybody who had power in that day, they were flesh attempting to become God. Because in that day and age, Caesar was being called a God. Caesar was demanding worship. Every person in power was demanding worship. It was a power play, right? And isn't that what caused the fall? If you go back to Genesis and you talk about Adam and Eve, that is the really important part about the Adam and Eve story. Because 
they were flesh attempting to become like God, and that's what led to the fall in the first place. And it is a pattern of power, and it's a pattern of power. It's a pattern of power that's been repeated and repeated and repeated. But for the wise men, they recognized that God had come in flesh. In flesh. So what can we learn about the wise men? Um, You know, um, we are so familiar with this story. But are we familiar with the circumstances? And are we familiar with the lessons that we learn about this story when we talk about the wise men? Okay? Because what's really neat about the Christmas story, and and the wise men have become such a natural part of the Christmas story, is that you could never have predicted people from the East... These, these sojourners, these, these sorcerers, these people who would look at the stars and, and, and kind of guess and, and determine what, what the course of history and nature and, and kind of soothsayers, astrologers, all these labels that we want to put. These are the last people we would have expected to come and worship a Jewish Messiah. Okay? This is totally unheard of and whatever okay so if we were in the place of following this star if we were in the place of 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 these wise men and if we were in the place of of taking that journey what is it that we could predict what is unpredictable about it because a lot of it as, as, as i've said already a lot of it is paralleled in our own lives when we follow god and we follow him faithfully. Here's what we cannot predict in our lives. Here's what we cannot predict, what the wise men couldn't predict, the same things that we can't predict in our own lives. And number one is this, the challenges. We cannot predict the challenges. Okay? I want to read you a little story, really short, okay? And I want you to answer yes or no, okay, at the, at the end of this. Uh, a few years ago, I read a story about a woman who had been arrested for shoplifting uh, a couple of times. And it went, to, it went to court, okay, that she shoplifted. And before she went to, during the trial, she brought in her psychiatrist, right, for shoplifting, and, and asked the psychiatrist to testify on her behalf. And the psychiatrist said this in the court. He said, um, the doctor said that she did not know what she was doing from one minute to the next, and here are the 18 reasons why she didn't know why, what she was doing. Okay? Um, here it is. A recent car accident. A traffic ticket. A new car purchase. Overwork. Husband's kidney stones. Husband's asthma. Menopausal hot flashes. A bad rash. Fear of breast cancer. Fear of dental surgery. Son's need for an asthma breathing machine. Mother and aunt's illnesses. Need to organize her parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Need to cook Thanksgiving dinner for 20 relatives. Purchase of 200 gifts for Christmas and Hanukkah. An attempt to sell her house without a realtor. Lawsuit against wallpaper cleaners. A purchase of furniture that had to be returned. And a toilet in her house that was constantly running. Was she, was, here's, here's, here's the question. Did the judge convict her or not? Oh, she went to the slammer. What's, what's, the, what's the matter with you guys? Right? What's the matter? Right? Hey, hey. The judge said, you know what? Life is tough. Life is hard. Life has challenges. 
Life is tough. Life is challenges. You know, I, you know, surely the wise men, surely the wise men, when they saw the star and they were prompted to move and they were prompted and recognized what the star meant, I'm sure that from the distance of what they recognized that they had to move toward, they, they knew very well that there was going to be a challenging journey ahead. How many of us have stood at that place and recognized the challenges ahead and have been more afraid taking that first step to move in that direction than anything else? And how many times have we not moved in that direction because of those fears? Okay? Isn't it... I, I am sure, I am sure that the wise men, especially in that DNA, do you think that moving across a desert is an easy task? With all the entourage, and you know what? We don't know how many. I think Eastern tradition holds 11 wise men. Uh, we hold three only because we know the number of gifts. We have no idea the wise men. And, and for sure, they had to have an entourage with them. There had to be people come with them. Um, it wasn't just the three of them, Curly, Moe, and Larry alone, right? It had to be more, more than, than, than just those three, right? But the but how many of us have, have recognized those challenges ahead of us? Imagine the wise men being used of God in that particular way, despite the challenges that it would bring. Because if you don't move in the direction of the challenge, God is never going to be able to do anything in your life. You know, as a, you know, as a staff, I think one of the big... and, and, and Matt, Jeff, you guys can correct me, and, and, and Rose, you can correct me on this. Um, I think one of the challenges that, one of the things that we've learned as a staff this year is that problems and opportunities are not a dead end or are not something that doesn't give us an opportunity to be creative. It's not an opportunity that we can, we can uh, manage the problem maybe in a, in, a, in a way we've never even imagined we could manage that problem. And it's been amazing to me time and time again how God's worked in that situation that we could never predict. Don't we love to predict what tomorrow is going to be all about? Don't we want the surety of tomorrow? And don't, don't, don't we want to have the assurance that, that if we do step out, it's going to be okay? I'm sure the wise men... Um, we have, we have no, no hint in Scripture that God laid out the whole plan before them. I'm really interested even in the story of Abraham, that God says, I want you to just go in that direction in, towards the land of Canaan. Right? I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And that Abraham would, would pick up his whole family, this, the, you know, everything that he owned, and just head in that direction. Maybe, maybe my imagination's too wild. I don't know. But I've always imagined how Abraham would come home and tell Sarah that they're moving. Right? What kind of a conversation? Abraham, you've been in the sun too long. Right? Right? I knew you finally lost it. God wants us to move. But God's not telling you where. Just in that direction. How many, is, isn't, that, isn't that something that we, we, we really struggle with in our life? That when we step out in faith, that we really do have faith that, that God's going to direct the journey? 
That God, God knows where he wants to take us. How could we possibly know where we need to go if we're not following God? And yet we're afraid to step out because we want the whole thing mapped out for us. Okay? I read this, <laughs> I read this line, and I don't even know who I can credit this with because it didn't, it didn't leave a, a... So I hadn't had time to look it out. It said this, Dead last is better than did not finish, which is still better than did not get started. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Dead last is better than, you know, did not finish, which is even better than did not start. So whatever life has before you, get started, right? Imagine the wise men, if they had said, nah, it's going to be too hard, not going to step out, not going to go there, not even going to begin. Imagine. And how many of us have come to that point in our lives. Do we really, you know, you know, uh, sorry to use that picture, but do we really follow God's light, honestly, in our lives? Okay, here's the second thing. The second thing we can't predict is the impact, right? Um, the, the, the wise men had this, had this idea that, that they're going to follow this because, because the, the prophecy said that a star would rise up and, and the scepter would come out of, out of, out of Israel, which, which they recognized that a king was being born. But I don't think they had any understanding the impact of what the bigger picture that God was doing in the world, that this was going to be the Messiah king, that this was going to be the savior of the world, that this king was going to change all of History, you know, I just I was just told um, just yesterday by my father-in-law. He's watching the History Channel and and a whole history of humanity, and it was talking very clearly about how much Jesus Christ Himself changed the world and all of Western civilization. Do we do we have, you know, do we have any concept of just how the impact of the life of Jesus had on the world? And even, even to make it uh, even more focused, to think that essentially, historically, we're talking about three and a half years of his life. Who else has been able to impact the world to that degree? Would they have had any idea? I wonder if they had any idea in, in knowing that a king was being raised up, if they had any idea just the impact, the worldly impact this little baby would have on the whole world. This wonderful child. This wonderful, wonderful child. <laughs> you know, it's too bad the star didn't have a digital readout saying, you know, latitude, longitude, here we go, you know, and turn left at Damascus, little curve, you know, around the Dead Sea. But it's amazing it's, it's, it's amazing how much, because if they had have not stepped out, they would have never experienced the impact. And that's, and that's a problem in our own lives. If we don't step out, we don't experience the impact. We don't know how God will take whatever little bit you give him and expand it to do something dramatic in somebody else's life. 
Look at the difference it can make in a church. Look at the difference it can make in a community. Look at the difference it can make in our city. Look at the difference it can make in our world and our country. We never know the impact of the situation of what it will have to the world around us if we don't step out. And I've said it many times, you know, forfeit whatever, the prayer, forfeit the faith, you always forfeit the miracle. And I'm sure the wise men had no idea. You know, and I think that's why Jesus in his teaching would always say, listen, if you are faithful with the little things, God will bless you with the greater things. And I think many of you have seen that in your own lives. That, you know, I, you know whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether, whether you've had an impact in somebody else's life, isn't it amazing how years later you hear of this one little thing and you said, and it was probably, you never even thought twice about it, but how it dramatically changed them. And the impact it had in their life. And the impact that it had in the situation. And the impact that it had in their family and their relationships. All of that. It's, a, it's amazing to me how God can take something so small, so insignificant, and make something wonderful from it. That's Christmas, right? So wonderful out of it. Here's the other thing we can't predict. We can't predict how it's going to affect us. We, we, we can't predict how it'll affect us. You know, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm personally wired to always think ahead, you know, in, in the majority of my life. Um, and, and yet, and yet when, I, when, I, when I think ahead of the impact things are going to have, um, I'm always surprised about how much it affects me. It's, 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 it's very easy for me to, to, to kind of lay out a plan and, 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 and do that, but I'm always amazed at how God changes me and, and the effect it has on me. And I keep thinking about, about the wise men, about how when they came and they saw the baby and they, and they saw the manger, I'm, I'm, I'm sure their entire expectation, because where did they end up? They ended up in Jerusalem. I'm sure they, I'm sure they were waiting for Herod to go, oh yeah, the, the baby is in the back palace. You want to just turn left and, and all the all the, you know, servants and everything will guide you to the baby, right? And, and yeah, leave your gold, frankincense, and myrrh with the others, okay? Like, just, just leave it there. We're kind of busy. And there's a whole lineup, you know, the lineup to see baby Jesus is an hour and a half, you know? That, that, that kind of thing, right? But I think... I think for the star to lead them in, in the most unexpected of places, in the most unexpected of families, in the most unexpected of circumstances, would have been very powerful for them. Because every one of their expectations would have been totally blown apart. And the effect that it would have had on them as people. And I think that's a powerful part of the story. Because how many of us expect something from God? And yet God surprises us each and every time. Because he speaks to us in ways that we never thought. He touches our hearts in, 
with, with words and situations and moments that we would have never expected. From, from the incredibly tragic to the incredible blessed circumstances of our lives. God touches us in ways that we never can imagine. And it affects us, right? I love, I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing people's Christmas stories. And I can't imagine how many people, even here today, have very painful Christmas stories. And yet we live with this hope of what Christmas is about when it comes to Jesus and the hope that we have beyond the tragedy of our circumstances. Right? It's a great, great thing to realize. Right? And again, they've come to worship. I think their worship would have been so much more profound as they walked into this cattle stable, this cave, and bowed before this baby. They had traveled all this way to present themselves and, and, and to give a show of the very thing that they had recognized had been brought into the world. But here they are in the most unexpected. Imagine the look on Mary and Joseph's faces as these guys walked into this cave. Could you imagine what it would have felt for them? Where did you come from? How far did you come? Where did you, what did you bring? Do you know, according, according to, to ancient um, uh, accounting, what they brought would have set Mary and Joseph up for life. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay? I find it very interesting that we never, ever, ever hear about them again. Because the important thing was the worship that they brought. Because they recognized that God had come in flesh. And whatever the journey was for them was absolutely worth it. Because when they got to the end and they recognized what God was doing, it would change them forever. And every, and, you know, there's, there's many of you here today that have been touched by God in some way. And you have never been the same. I, I love hearing those stories. I love hearing the stories of lives change. And, and, and you know, I, I, I know so many people who have been in circumstances and situations that if they got up here, you would say, stop. Please stop. Don't, don't talk anymore about that stuff. We don't want to hear about that stuff. That is stuff we never want to go, never understand. How could you do that? How could you live like that? How could you think that was even at one time something worthy? Whatever. There's, there's so much that people could say up here. And yet to see God transform a human being like that is absolutely incredible. And we never know the effects that God can have on somebody when they step out in faith and say, yes, Lord, take my life. That's the power of, this, of, of Christmas, to change hearts and to do something really amazing. Here's the last uh, thing. We can't predict how God is going to use us. How God is going to use us. It's just amazing. Um, I, I came across this story um, let me read it to you, and, and then we'll unpack it a little bit as it relates to this whole story. In 1870, 
um, the Methodists were having their annual conference in Indiana. The presiding bishop was asking a group for an, an interpretation of current events, okay, 1870, an interpretation of current events. When the president of the college, where the conference was held, said this, I think we are living in a very exciting age. I believe we are coming into a time when we will see wonderful inventions. I believe we are going to fly through the air like birds. Bishop Wright, visibly disturbed by this scientifically based comment, proclaimed, This is heresy. This is blasphemy. I read in my Bible that flight is reserved for the angels. We will not have such talk here in my area. And Bishop Wright returned home to his sons, Orville and Wilbur. (laughs) Not a true story. Not a true story. From all intensive purposes, that is just a fake story. But you know what? Here, I'm, no, I'm going to do an end around on you. The real story is actually a better story. Because Bishop Wright fostered in Orville and Wilbur this sense of wonder about creation, this sense of invention, this sense of seeking to, to, to figure things. In fact, in fact the, the story is said that he even brought home a whirly bird like, like a helicopter, and the kids were amazed at how this thing supported in the air. Right? And, and to me, that's the better story. And we get this other goofy story that, that is, is the more popular one because it's very antagonistic to, the, to the, what we're trying to say is that we have no idea how God is going to use us. And in fact, Bishop Wright, even though he was a bishop in a Methodist church and struggled with the whole scientific thing, fostered in his kids a wonder for science to the point that they brought flight to mankind and to the world. Right? And we look at them individually and say, over and Wilbur Wright, they did this wonderful thing. But if you recognize what the parents did for both those kids that brought them to that place, we have no idea how God is going to use us. Right? And we think, we, we, we think it's, you know, we're just in our little, little world and so individualistic. And we think, you know, um, what is God ever going to do with me? If you had said to the wise men, do you know you're going to end up in the Bible? You're going to be one of the most popular Christmas stories? You're going to, you know, every, every time people think of Christmas or every time people think of the baby Jesus, they're going to think of you. Isn't it amazing that your story is going to be so many other people's stories? And God is going to use you amazingly. Because no one is going to imagine that people from the Far East are going to come and worship what they think is purely Jewish but the reality is what God is doing in the life of that person, doing in the baby Jesus, is going to bring salvation for the entire world. And you were part of that story. How many of us are part of someone else's story, and yet we never believe that God is using us? Your wife, your husband, your kids. The investment you make in people are investments that God uses for something greater. How many of you believe that? Well, how many of you are sitting and saying, 
You know, God could never use me. God could never, you know, you get that, you get that from parents all the time. Right? I'm so busy with my kids. I have no time for anything else. The reality is, is God, you cannot imagine how God is using you to shape those young lives. It's amazing. <laughs> it is just amazing. Here's, here's, here's the point I want to make about the whole thing. This is the very last, last point. God is unpredictable. God may be unpredictable. But he has made himself knowable. And that knowledge should cause us to seek him, serve him, and worship him. God has made himself knowable. God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. God has revealed his plan to the person of Jesus Christ. Right? And year after 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 year, we come at Christmas time and we think we've heard it all before. And we think we imagined it all before. And we think we've got it right before. But it's the recurring story that happens in every one of our lives is the experience of those three wise men. Because God may be unpredictable. But he is certainly knowable. And because he's knowable, we can step out in faith. And we know that he would be faithful to allow us to move in the direction that he is guiding us in. To his light. To his wonderful purposes. You know, as I close out this morning, I want to invite Matt uh, to come up. And uh, I think Fiona and Maisie, you're coming up. Um, And we've talked about the unpredictability of God, but how God is knowable. And I pray that this Christmas that uh, you would take the time to reflect on the baby in the manger. Amen. Well, thanks, John. And uh, yeah, I have the privilege this morning of introducing maybe to some of you Fiona Wright and Macy Wright. And um, Fiona and her husband, Gary, have two beautiful daughters, Grace and Maisie. And uh, Fiona, you've been coming to Village Green now for a few months, is it? About two months. About two months, yeah. And... Um, and Fiona and, and Maisie just have an incredible story that they would like to share with us. We've been talking about an unpredictable journey, uh, the unpredictableness of life, um, the challenges that come along. And um, so my, my first question is just for a, a precursor. Maybe you could tell us, uh, Maisie was recently or a while ago was given a diagnosis and what that diagnosis meant for you and the family and potentially for Maisie. Um, well, when Maisie was born we noticed that um, her head shape was slightly asymmetrical, but lots of babies are like that when they're born, so we didn't think too much of it at first. But it was getting worse, and her paediatrician organised a skull x-ray for her, which was reported as being very abnormal. And we were told that she had cranial synostosis, which is a condition where the skull doesn't grow properly. And the baby is normal up to the point where the skull stops the brain from growing and then they potentially end up with learning difficulties or in a, even the more milder aspects, they have such a deformity that they're liable to bullying and things like that. And um, we were told that she would need to have surgery before she was six months old so that it could be fixed. Um, and I'm sure you can imagine it's a 
pretty major operation and pretty gruesome for a little baby to go through. Yeah. Um, anybody who's a parent, you know, your heart is torn with news and the thought of that for your precious little one and, um, and the implications of that. And I know for you that was the case. And, and um, a couple of weeks ago, um, you, you took advantage of the prayer room and, and you went and prayed with Brian and Angela and, and maybe others from the prayer team. And, um, and, and can you give us an update now? I mean, Macy's, what, six, six months now? So almost six months. So um, maybe you could finish off and, and give us the rest of the story. Well, after we had the x-ray, um, we were referred to a surgeon here in London and then to sick kids in Toronto. And when we saw the surgeon in Toronto, he'd said he was almost certain that the x-ray was right because she had a very typical head shape of cranial sinostosis. But he wanted her to have a CT scan first just to determine the extent of the condition and to plan for the surgery that we were expecting would be before Christmas time. And the, the scan was, was to be two weeks ago and, and I asked Brian and Angela to pray, really thinking that almost wasn't possible, but that the scan would be normal or at least that it would be so mild that she wouldn't need surgery. And um, we had the scan on, on the Wednesday and they told us that the scan is completely normal and they'd made a mistake with the diagnosis. And it is just, just her head shape from, from the way she was born and it will improve as she gets older and, um, you know, her, we'll be able to do hairstyles and things that it shouldn't be so, so obvious. So, um, and I, I really feel that they didn't get the diagnosis wrong in the first place. I feel that she was healed by the prayer and I'm just so grateful for everybody's prayers for her. Well, thank you, Fiona. And yeah, we, we just needed to share that story today. Yeah. Because of the preciousness of life, because of the goodness of our God. And, uh, and, and yeah, our life is unpredictable. The challenges that come are unpredictable. Our God is unpredictable. Um, you know, but we believe prayer works. We believe it changes things. And uh, I know each and every one of us have our struggles that we've gone through and maybe we've prayed about it and it hasn't been a miraculous outcome, maybe like this story. Um, and we continue to wrestle with that as believers. And if you are wrestling with that, I encourage you to check out our, our recent sermon series called Hear Us Now, all about prayer. Um, it left us with a whole lot of questions about prayer, but hopefully it left us believing more in the power of prayer and praying like we never have before. And, uh, and this morning's story, uh, we just wanted to, to give glory to God for that and, uh, and so that we can get to know Fiona and Macy and, and Gracie and Gary um, a little more, and that we can continue to pray for this family and for one another and for God's blessings on all of us as we journey on this unpredictable road of life. Uh, but when we journey with Jesus Christ, we don't journey alone, right? We journey with our Savior who leads us, and we journey with a family of faith who prays and encourages us. So let me do that for us, and as I'm praying, I'll ask the worship team to come up, I believe, and we'll just close the service, okay? Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we, we give you praise and glory because you are a mysterious God. Far be it from us to ever take the mystery out of who you are, God. And God, we wrestle with that because I know that there are prayers continually going up that we feel just are not being answered. 
But we know that prayer does change things. We know that you do answer our prayers. And in this case with Maisie, we just give you thanks and praise and glory for this answer. And yes, others will explain it away as a misdiagnosis. Um, But God, we know that you are capable of control of all life, of all things, because you are the creator, you are the maker. And this, this holiday season, we remember a child in a manger, a poor, helpless child, but that child being God in human flesh and, um, and in that humanness bore our sin on the cross and, and through that cross gave us healing like we could never know emotionally and physically and most of all spiritually. So we just give you thanks and praise, Lord God, for Fiona, for Gary, for, for Grace, and for Macy. Pray your continued blessing upon their lives and our lives as we journey together in life with you. In Christ's name, amen.